Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grind Line Podcast, just looking at episode 237. I am here tonight with Ryan. Tyler's internet is a giant pile of garbage, but we also have Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley from the Lockdown Red Wings podcast with us tonight to play some fun little games, like off-season content when there's absolutely zero news. But uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Thanks for having us. I know we've been trying to set this up since probably at least the draft party. Uh, I think is when we first started talking about it, but here we are in August and we finally got around to getting on a pod together to, well, like you said, play some fun little games and help the off season pass by <laughs> no, <laughs> as I'm, fast I'm as possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, uh, we've, I mean, we've been like, you know, in each other's mentions and like interacting with each other and trying to do something like this for, I mean, I've been on lockdown Red Wings for like two and a half years now. And I feel like we've been like pretty close for like that entire time. So it's finally nice to actually be able to do it. It's always been teased to have a giant Red Wings podcast right. roundtable. Mm-hmm. We've we've had we've talked to Ryan and we've got you guys. It's like slowly the powers are being combined. <laughs> We're like some weird ass Voltron. That's it's like <laughs> it's it's all messed up. Like, if, I think if to have all of us, though, because there are quite a few like Red Wings podcasts now, if you yeah. try to get everyone on a like a, a meeting, yeah, we, we'd be here for hours. Just like, it'd be like a six hour episode being we'd all be people. Talking over each other. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well just do a live stream at that point. Just have Literally. people drop in. Uh, but yeah, we're going to play a game tonight uh, because like we said, there's no news. Uh, the Eric Carlson well. trade. We're, uh, yeah, the Eric Carlson trade. So we're going to do that off the top. We're just going to give our kind of quick remarks on that. And then we're going to play a little bit of over under. So Eric Carlson, and let me pull it up because it was an awfully convoluted trade. Eric Carlson went to the Pittsburgh Penguins with 13% retained salary. Also, Dylan Hemelik and a 2026 third round pick that is San Jose's. To the San Jose Sharks went Mikhail Granlin, Mike Hoffman, Jan Ruta, a 2024 first, which was Pittsburgh's. And to the Montreal Canadiens went Jeff Petrie with 25% retained, Casey DeSmith, Nathan Legere, and a 2025 second round pick. So off the top, I'd say the winners are the San Jose Sharks for getting rid of that contract. I mean, the Habs are apparently, the word is they're trying to trade Jeff Petrie already, that they're not going to keep him and they're just going to get rid of him. 
only 1.5 million retained on Eric Carlson. So he goes over with what? 10 million cap hit to the Penguins. And to me, I looked at it and I looked at it for like 10 minutes and I'm like, I don't know. I can't even figure this out. And I uh, turned it off because it's the off season and it doesn't involve us. But I would say San Jose won that trade for uh, getting rid of it. And then it shows that the pens are really going to try and push to get Crosby a cup before he has to retire. Yeah. I mean, I think that this, you say it's a win for the San Jose Sharks. I'd actually chop it up as a win for the Pittsburgh Penguins personally too. Um, Mainly for the main reason, not because, you're getting a 34-year-old Eric Carlson coming off of a great season. That's great. We all know he has that injury history. Yeah, but more so because they managed to shed salary in the process. They took on a $10 million contract, but managed to come out of this with an extra $3 million that they, well, they're still over the cap by like $70,000, but they shed $3 million in that trade somehow, despite taking on $10 million. That's a win. And while I don't necessarily... As an outside fan looking in, agree with the all-in mentality the Pittsburgh Penguins have because of the fact that they're aging. I do understand Kyle Dubas going there and him being brought in. His job is to win one more Stanley Cup with the core that they have. And so you got to get a guy who can maybe get you back in the playoffs. You hope Carlson's injury history holds out um, and doesn't come back to bite them. And he has another great season in him. So I, as, as an outside fan looking in, I still think it's silly to go all in when you already were the oldest team to begin with in the NHL. But I do understand it. And I do think it's a win because they managed to shed salary in the process. I do have a high amount of irony though, that the fact that Jeff Petrie got traded back to the Canadians, what, like a year after he got traded away yeah. from them. Yeah. And that they're going to try and get rid of him again. It's yeah. Like <laughs> six degrees of separation for Petrie and Montreal. <laughs> no, I mean, like, uh, shout out Jeff Petrie, by the way, uh, you know, Detroit family royalty there. But I, I think that um, my only like the trade itself, uh, you know, you, you guys have already said uh, some some pretty great points about that. And uh, it's obviously very complicated and whatnot. But I, I think the biggest thing for me is just like the timing of trading Carlson. Not that this is a bad time, like San Jose is obviously in a rebuild. My thing is like it, it to maximize value. You could argue this should have happened at the deadline or last year or like get kicked, the, like go down the road like t- two years ago. They're like, I mean, I mean, it, for me, it's like this is this is fine. You you got rid of the salary. You I think you picked up a first round pick <laughs> at some point in there. Like it's it's not it's definitely not like awful value. Um, but uh, I, as someone who also covers the Tigers, I've been talking about maximizing players value a lot lately. And I feel as though they may have maybe not waited too long is like too dramatic, but I, I feel like they could have got maybe a better return. Obviously had a great year and whatnot this season, but even at the deadline, if they decided to move him then instead, I just feel like maybe they didn't maximize uh, his value given where he's at in his career. But yeah, as far as the trade goes, I mean, I, I don't think anyone's like a huge loser out of this. Mute button works. No, I, I would agree. I mean, you look at trades of this magnitude typically, and you're talking about Eric Carlson, one of the top offensive defensemen in all of hockey, and he has been for years. You would think there'd be more picks almost going San Jose San Jose's way. They got a first rounder. It's conditional, top 10 protected. But the second rounder that was divvied out from Pittsburgh went to Montreal. So they made out on that one on top of getting maybe three players, two of them NHL level, but it sounds like they're already trying to get rid of one in Petrie. Yeah, Casey to Smith. So you've, you've settled on your goaltending for that. 
Now that throws for Pittsburgh. I mean, here's where it gets kind of interesting. You got Jari, and now is Ned going to be their backup? Is it going to be Helberg? Now you've got a backup from Detroit from last season that wasn't really a backup, and either guy, arguably. I mean, I wish Ned all the best, and I have gone back many a times and cried about him and Huso not being a fantastic 1A, 1B. But is he going to return to form? You would think so with a better defensive team in front of him. But I don't know. Is this a move that you you kind of wish that a Ken Holland would have made in the final years of Datsik and Zetterberg? But at the same, like you thought that those things were going to happen, but instead he just spent draft capital on guys that ended up really didn't play in a whole lot of games and didn't improve the team that much. So it's for me, it's it's tough to say who won. I don't really think anybody won in that matter, unless Montreal is able to get rid of Petrie for another draft pick, a high pick that for that matter. But I don't see that happening. I'll tell you who won. Eric Carlson won. Eric Carlson oh, totally. got to go to a team and have an opportunity to win another Stanley Cup. And that's really Absolutely. what he was trying to have happen. I do want to chime in, though, on the, the, the value of Eric Carlson, because I think that people tend to have inf- overinflated his value pretty much all offseason long. Uh, yeah, he won the Norris. He had a great comeback season, the best season of his career um, numbers-wise. We all know that he's kind of a black hole defensively, but that's not why you trade for a guy like him. His big detractions were, again, you know, 34 years old. He's on the back half of his career. He's a long injury history. And I just think that teams look at that and that contract that he had, what was it, like $11.5 million? When you take insane. all that, it's insane. When yeah. you take all that into account, I think other teams are going like, yeah, he had one really, really good year, but he's 34 years old with an injury history on a huge cap hit. It's going to be really hard. Like, I think that this is the best case scenario that San Jose could have ever gotten realistically is one first round pick. And it's top 10 protected. It's not even, it's not an unprotected first because there's just so many detractors to his value that this is the best that they probably could have gotten. So while some San Jose fans might feel they could should have gotten more, you look at the situation, it's kind of like Ottawa fans with the brinket. Like you weren't going to get anything for him because he was forcing his way out. So there mm-hmm. was no leverage there. The San Jose Sharks never really had any leverage despite the Norris trophy. And, and I mean, to that point too, you look at it, you traded out one huge contract, one serviceable player for three decent contracts at two years or less for each one. And all guys that could potentially help improve your team. Yeah. Yeah. And I think DeSmith is a good pickup too for the Canadians. I mean, that's that's yeah. a solid pickup there. But if you look at Eric Carlson and, and it was a prime time, like he's like, I'm going to get myself out of San Jose. And that is the reason he had that season to go from 35 points in 50 games to 101 points in 82 games with one of the worst teams in the entire league uh, made all star. He was 26 in Lady Bing. He had Lady Bing votes. He had 15 in a heart and won the Norris. So like he got all these votes and he's like, I'm going to play my way out of this place. And he did. And the Penguins need to pray to the hockey gods that he repeats what he did last season and doesn't fall back down. Because like you said, Brian, he black hole is nice for saying what he is defensively. <laughs> if you look at the J fresh charts, if it would like project a zero, he'd be a zero because I mean, it, it, I hate plus minus again as a blanket statement on the grind line podcast plus minus sucks. <laughs> He was a minus 26. Now the team was bad, but he was a minus 26 with 101 points. So that's, I mean, a lot of points and you're still a minus. It's just good on them. Good on San Jose for moving them. Good on the Penguins for trying to win cups for Crosby before he has to go. Good on Montreal for existing. 
And that's basically that's that's the Eric Carlson trade in a nutshell. And that's like I think the last maybe big thing that will happen besides Dumba signed with to go back to college for a year. So I'll be amazed <laughs> if they don't have the top power play in hockey next year. If you th- you can mm. throw Carlson and Latang on the back end and you lose nothing offensively when it comes to that power play with Crosby, Malkin, and insert person in your set. <laughs> and the player name here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to get to the meat of the episode tonight. So we're going to play a little game of over-under. So we have each come up with our own over-under uh, kind of scenarios and bars. We will present one. Everyone will give their thought on it. Uh, they will take the over. They will take the under. And then the person who posed the question will take their over or under. And we're going to kind of go around in a circle to do this. Uh, in the middle, we will take a break for a commercial and uh, a, a group commercial, as we <laughs> like to call it. And then uh, we will pick back up. So what we're going to do is we're going to let guests go first. Uh, Brian is going to pose his first over under. Scotty is going to give the first response. And it'll go to Ryan and me before Brian answers. So, Brian, you can take it away. Uh, thanks. So the first one I have for you is a player specific statistic. Uh, Vili Huso, we all know, started off the season last year as one of the statistically one of the best goalies in the league, especially if you love goals saved above expected like I do. Uh, before the team kind of caught up with him and drove him into the ground and then injuries happened. He ended up finishing the year with a eight, nine, six save percentage. Not great. Um, well, the league save percentage average, at least part with you, the year I didn't double check on this statistic, so I could be off base. But the league average save percentage, at least at one point during last year, was 908. My question for you guys is over under Vili Huso save percentage of a 908 save percentage for next season. Do you think he gets below that or over that uh, in the 2023-2024 season? Scotty, you're up first, bud. Uh, well, I first off, I I love the question. I think that that's a good, you know, league average. I think that that's a good number to pick, too. Well, you I, better or else you're fired, so... <laughs> You do not have the power to do that. I actually have been here longer than you anyway. Um, so I, it's uh, I, as far as, you know, it goes, I, I think that, man, like a 12, 12% like improvement is a lot, like from one year to one year. And like, they certainly uh, did and had a lot of additions to the blue line this off season. And that's clearly something that just like organization wide, they like clearly want to address. Um, I think, think man i'm gonna go with a hair under and uh i like barely and and the reason why it's barely is because we we actually just talked about Huso in our last show um and when looking at his month by month save percentage like it was most of the months were like 900 or better. And certainly nothing was close to the first two months of the season when he was out of this world. But most of them were still like, oh, like an 898 or a 901 or whatnot. But his last two months was dreadful. It was like 860 something and like 855, I think was his April. So like if he can just avoid like, stooping to like you know one of the worst starting goalies in the entire nhl for two months then i think that the that save percentage is naturally just going to go way up that all being said a 12 percent increase that would require him to have an again like an otherworldly month as well as not dropping well below and i think the odds of both of those things happening in the same season even with the additions in front of him um, is is a lot, not impossible, but a lot. And so I think I'm going to go with the, in my mind, the safer 
bet and go just a hair under like a 905 ish is kind of where I'm at. I mean, if you look at the NHL stats last year for goaltending, a minimum of 15 games played, I try to keep it around 15 to 20. You had 29 goalies at a 908 and above. One of them even being Craig Anderson and Mrs. Geriatric State. So <laughs> somehow. I think that's a safe bar to set it at because most there's only six goalies at a 920 and above. So most of your top goaltending, arguably, if you want to call it that, like Shesterkin's a 916, Vasilevsky, you could argue in an off year, is a 915. That it's a safe range to be in, in if you're Billy Huso. And if that's what Detroit's at, you're having a good season. And to answer to Carry on your point there, Scott. Uh, he had an 867 in March and an 855 in April. Now, granted, April was only five games and seven games, sure. respectively. But that was after February was 913 and the January 84. But every other year was over a nine. So rough. But if he's hovering at a 908, which would be considered at the, the league average, this is a team that's probably winning a couple more games and in a much better position. But I think I'm going to have to lean it at the under right now. I say all that. That's rough, Ryan. After all of that, you're like, yeah. I propped it up real hard and then just be like, no, it's not going to (laughs) happen. All right. So if I'll start by saying that if Huso does get a 908, so the Red Wings for team goaltending last season were 25th in the league with an 890. Uh, Only 25th? Only 25th. (laughs) Uh, a 909 was the Toronto Maple Leafs in 10th place and a uh, followed by a 904 for the New Jersey Devils. Now, this is a team save percentage. So looking at Billy Huso, now we had said in one of the previous episodes when we talked about James Reimer, if we could have Reimer take 10 games away from Billy Huso, because Billy Huso played 56 games last season, you could really yeah. see that he was overworked. Because in his previous season, he only played 40 games. He had 16 more games is quite a bit for a goalie. And partway through the season, he was kind of hurt. They were saying, oh, you're going to take a break. Oh, never mind. You're not taking a break anymore. You're coming back and we need you to play. So I think that what he even said that mentally, he's trying to get more mentally prepared this offseason. He's popping up in like a lot of stuff. He was like, he was at a Lions thing. They're yeah. like, look, Billy Huso. He was at the draft party and they're like, look, Billy Huso. So <laughs> they're like trying to pump him up and get him to feel better. Uh, a 908, I think if he gets, like you said, that's a big jump to go from his, what did we say? He was at an 896 last yeah. season. Yep. Uh, but the season before in St. Louis, he was at a nine one nine with 40 games played. So I think if and you 800 can, minutes less played as well. Sure. But I think if you can get him 10 less games than he played last season and kind of chop it up a little bit and lean a little bit more on Reimer, I think a nine Oh eight is achievable for Huso with a good off season and a and just kind of like a mental improvement there and a health improvement in Huso. So I will take the over on a 908 for Billy Huso. I'm yeah, gonna take it. I, I think I'm with you, Greg. I think I'm gonna take the over as well. I'm not gonna say he's gonna crush it. I think it's gonna be like a 909. Um, but for reasons that both Scotty and Ryan said in, in an attempt to prop it up before just absolutely sweeping <laughs> it at the knees. Um, but I think that with the one, you got to remember too. 
the defense, it was the first year of a new head coach running a brand new defensive scheme. The defensive core outside of their top pair, which was Cider and Wolman, and it took Cider some time to get going last year, was absolutely abysmal. And while people's feelings on Justin Hall signing might be mixed, like you look at this defensive core altogether, and it is a better defensive core in front of him. And with the fact that James Reimer, with the exception of this past year, uh, had a career worse year, he's never had a season outside this past year below 900 save percentage himself. He played 40 games this last year or more over 40 games this last year and 40 games the season before. So he's going to take games away from Huso, which would otherwise probably pull down his save percentage because workload would become an issue. And we talk about it. I talked about it with Scotty uh, on Monday's episode, but injury for the injury for him is he played through injuries at the end of the season, which ultimately brought the save percentage down. And the way he got his starts was oftentimes bunched. At the start of the season, it was spaced out because they're trying to figure out what the dynamic was going to be with the goaltending. Well, then it very quickly became obvious that Nedeljkovic and Helberg were not it. And he would have like a five-goal game and they'd put Huso back out there because that's still better than what they were getting from their backup situation. So I think all those factors combine into giving him, you know, more breathing room more time to regroup if things turn south, a better supporting cast in front of him, another year under a defensive-minded head coach to really hammer things home on the team. And then he's just going to come back healthy. And I just think that he'll regroup. I think it'll be like a 909 save percentage. I don't think it's, like I said, he's going to crush it. But I think it's I think it's doable for him. I, I you know, and I could be wrong. I believe I said something very similar about Alex Nedeljkovic going into last season. Oh, don't um, even start with us on that. You're not alone. <laughs> you are not alone. But I still believe in Huso. I think a lot of the troubles that he had had to do with just workload, injury, and the piss poor team in front of him. <laughs> yeah, and like like we had said before, we're not going to slander Justin Hole until we see what he can do here because the Toronto media is insane. Yeah. Brutal. And Toronto fans have proven that whenever we say anything to them about or we mention them and they go, yeah, but you guys signed Justin Hole. I'm like, OK, guys, it'll, it'll be Justin Hole for what he's going to come here and do is going to be absolutely Ryan Reeves. Fine. shut up. Yeah, they signed <laughs> Ryan Reeves so they can't talk. But it's I, I think you're right, Brian. So I think if you with an improved defense, a lowered workload coming back healthy, another year under Lalone in the system. I think it'll all be really good for Huso, and I think, and he's still technically for a goalie. He's young. What's he going to be? Twenty nine. So yeah. it's. I think all all signs are are pointing in Huso's direction for an improved season. But for the next over under, we are going to move to Scotty. Yeah, well, I, I honestly, I almost did uh, 50 and a half games played for Billy Huso. So I'm glad we didn't because we got that com- conversation <laughs> out of the way um, already. So I, I this is one I told you guys before. We hopped on air that like this is a stretch to really make like a true over under, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I I was looking up team just like special teams rankings, really not even the exact percentage, but just rank it where they fall within the NHL. And the last time that the wings finished in the top half of the NHL in both power play and penalty kill in the same season was 2015, the 15, 16 season. So my Question was, do and if you have separate answers for the power play and the penalty kill, obviously that's more than okay. So I'm kind of like cheating and doing two and one, but over under being ranked 16th in power play and penalty kill in this NHL season for the Detroit Red Wings. Ooh, that's me first. I'm gonna go over on the power play, and I feel like 
Debrinket is going to be a driving force in that. You you can mix and match that top unit power play all you want, but they're going to be better. And I think that's going to make the second pairing or grouping better. And to me, you've got that type of goal scoring now on your top line. And we've been trying to hammer it home of just play your best players because it hasn't been the greatest the last several years. So your best guys on the ice can go out there and try to score you some goals. Now you've got that ability to try to throw that out there for your first power play unit. And I think that's going to help them succeed because you look at a team like Ottawa, barely just finished ahead of Detroit, but they had a 23 and a half power play percentage last year and finished eighth. So if you're jumping up in that top 16, you're looking at 21 and a half and above. I think, I think you're in a good spot and I think that's doable for Detroit. So I think over on the power play PK wise, they finished what 18th last season. They were around 17th and 18th in both. Yeah, they were kind yep. of right in the same net. So Colorado finished right above them. Them in Pittsburgh at 79 and 79.1 respectively. I think if you're hitting 79.5 to 80%, you're hitting that top 15 mark potentially. And you're in, again, I think that helps improve your team because it's less special team goals against more for profit, right? So I think that both could be over 16. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the over two. So if you look, like like you said, Red Wings were 17th in the league with a 21-11 power play. They were 18th with a 78.3 PK. I'm also looking at adding someone like Shane Gostisbehere to the power play, who is absolutely like an offensive stud. You put a guy like, again, Christian Fisher on the penalty kill, who that's what he's brought here to do is is, is kill pen, uh, kill penalties. I think even if they put someone like a Clem Costin on a second pair, our second um, power play unit, he could even improve because he's got amazing finishing numbers. He's got amazing uh, goals per 60 numbers. He just needs the more opportunity. So we had talked uh, over the last few episodes just about how versatile the team is. Now, bringing in guys that are are more defensive for PK, I think you you brought more in for the power play. But if you're going to look at teams that could possibly be falling as well, you could see Boston. Boston lost uh, Patrice Bergeron on the penalty kill. Their penalty kill could fall from 12th. You look at like uh, Ottawa, who as much as they want to bash Dabrinkit now for leaving, Dominic Kubelik's not a Dabrinkit replacement. Uh, Tarasenko, yeah, sure, if he keeps it up and he's healthy that's the other thing they were eighth if he's not healthy they could fall so there are teams up towards the top i mean tampa's not getting any younger that's another power issue player pk i'm talking power play okay you said pk that's why i was confused yeah, like, wait a minute. i'm talking oh, power play sorry. but but yeah. tampa's not getting any younger that's the other half of it too so and we when we did the war roster builder from jfresh tampa like finished below us in standings Based on their yeah, current roster, they still are, have some of the best players in hockey to throw out there for a yeah. top power play unit. They do, but what if, if in game healthy. what if in game three Steven Stamkos breaks his leg again for the twenty seven thousandth time? I mean, it's uh, you got to look at the teams around you, but also your team. So I think we have improved enough in the offseason to bring that PK number up, to bring that power play number up from where it's been. I mean, uh, much higher than the previous season. Bob Ugner's done a fantastic job. Tenge's shown he has the skill to do it. He just needs to apply it more and be more consistent. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go over. To your point, real quick, they went from a 16 and a half, 16.3 to 21.1 power play percentage. In, so it's a couple more percentage points, right? 
like between just Brian for that. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to take the over and I'm going to toss it over to Brian. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to take the over as well. Um, for all the reasons you guys have already stated, the, there's guys on the roster who are going to improve this team. Uh, it was already mentioned. Shane Gostaspare was already mentioned for the power play. I mean, they're brought in to literally put pucks in the back of the net for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, special teams, you know, kind of gurus in terms of power play. And then mentioned Christian Fisher on the PK. It's just this team, the roster all around is going to be much better. And with other teams falling off, and again, another year. And Derek alone, this is why I, I'm especially getting, going to be high in the penalty kill when in the new year, because Derek alone kind of emphasizes this defensive-minded hockey style. And he worries a lot about the five-on-five metrics. He cares about the expected goals for, which I love. So it's it's one of those things where I just think with another year in this system, along with the things that you guys have already mentioned being players, um, I think that it's pretty easy to say that they'll they'll be. I don't again. I don't think they're going to crush that over under. I think it could be like fifteenth, but I don't think top half the league is is too uh, abysmal. I mean, going into this last season, season Scotty and I were talking about how we just wanted them to finish in the teens like around middle of the pack, how we wanted the team to finish just outside the wild card, like being the and being the race down the stretch. And for the most part, they were well, if we're, if we're taking the natural next step in competitiveness, I don't think asking for your team to be in the top half, even if that is just 15th to be for power play and penalty kill is asking for a lot. So it's a mix of like, they should be, and they could be at the same time. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the reason that I cheated on this was because I kind of have like one foot on one side of the line and one foot on the other. I, I'm really not worried. And I know we have one. Uh, somebody else's, I, I'm pretty sure, over under is um, power play related too. So like, we'll talk about it more. But like, this is uh, the power play. I'm really not worried about improving. I, I, I like the not only to bring it, but just like, I mean, Ghost Despair is a great point. Like that's, that's two legitimate like offensive weapons that you are throwing on to like potentially the same power play unit at that. Like they're that, like, I'm really not worried about the power play taking a step in the right direction. Um, the penalty kill, I don't think it's going to like regress. Um, but I mean, th- there's been so much turnover in the penalty kill over the last two years. Like you have to remember, we are, we are two. Uh, the season before last season was, this was the 32nd ranked power penalty kill rather. Like, this is not like, Oh yeah, they've been like around 20 for like a while and just like can't get over the hump. Like this was the worst penalty kill in hockey two seasons ago. So like there's been obviously a great stride forward this past season, which is awesome. Um, so and like like you said, like Christian Fisher, we we've talked a lot about him as well. Like he was obviously brought in for that exact reason. And there's some other kind of like more defensive-minded forwards that they're trying to implement and put into this system. So I, I don't think it's impossible, which is why I picked it, but I think if I had to choose right now, I would say the the power play, I'm fairly confident, honestly, is going to be in the top half of the league. The penalty kill, it wouldn't shock me if they were still in that like 17, 18, 19 range. Like not taking a huge step back, but I'm not sure they they single-handedly in one offseason like addressed it enough to make me confident that it's going to raise like two, three, four, even five percent either. So um that's kind of where I stand. I'm kind of you know straddling the the line of my of my cheating over under. I think the one thing that might help their penalty kill that hasn't been talked about a ton is a 100 percent healthy Andrew Cop. I think that's the 100%. one thing when you look at Andrew Kopp and you say you're if you take out Andrew Kopp's last season, 
he's a phenomenal player. If you if you have access to the J Fresh stuff, and because we've got so many people on the call today, I'm not going to do like the overlays and stuff. But it's going to be it's it's a it's a night and day difference. And last season, that first 20 games, 25 games right. where he was recovering from that core surgery really affected him. And he's a very responsibly defensive forward. And if you can get him on the PK and you get him back to the season before last form, I think you can bump up your PK like two spots. And if you bump up your PK to three spots, I think it has to be. Yeah, because you finished yeah, 18. You're there. So you need to bump it up three spots and you're there. So you're right at that 15. And, and it, I don't think it's too much to ask to just get over the halfway mark. Because like Red Wings motto for this season, like it should be we were trash. We're not anymore. Like that's that's the new motto. Like we're we're good. We might not be great, but we can be good this season. We're, we are recycling bin now. Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> we're we're separating our plastics and our papers. We have a ten cent deposit. We're making it. We're gonna be we're okay. 14. Yeah. So so Ryan, we're gonna toss it to you to do your uh, your first one. It also has you're gonna up the difficulty on the special teams, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'll go that way. Uh, so mine is a power play percentage of 23%. And I kind of already hit at this a little bit, but I'd be intrigued to hear your thoughts. All right, so I get I get to go first on this one. So we finished with a 21-11. If we had to hit a 23, we would be approaching the number 9 Buffalo Sabres at 23.42 and the number 10 Florida Panthers at 22.83, we would have to beat out the Caps, the Wild, the Pens, which with Carlson, we're probably not going to do. The Devils, the Bruins, and f- somehow the Vancouver Canucks. I like that's the major outlier right there is the Vancouver Elias Canucks. Pedersen. That's why. Like, just him, him himself. And that's it. Well, maybe a little bit of Quinn Hughes. Throw a, little, a sprinkle of Quinn Hughes and just a ton of Elias Pedersen. Um, I am going to take the under on 23%. I think maybe we get to a 21.9, maybe a 22, but I don't think we're getting to a to a 23. So I'm going to take the under. You know what's funny is it, when you said uh, 23%, I'm like, that's only that's less than 2% higher than what they had to do. Obvious over. And then as Greg was breaking down like where that would put them, I was like, oh, maybe that 2% is harder to accomplish than I initially thought. I'm going to take the under on that one uh, with the given context. I think the Red Wings are going to be between, you know, 10 and 15, but I don't think that they're going to crack the top 10 this next year just because the progression of things, it's just, they're not top echelon caliber team yet, but they're getting there. They're getting better. So, I mean, I think you're going to be around that 22% mark in the upcoming season. Yeah, I, I think this is another great uh, number selection. I mean, if if we're going back to like formatting it similar to to mine, like that would be right at like the tenth <clears throat> ranked power play in the league last year. Um, so we're all confident that they're going to be in the top half. Do they take a jump to go from you know so that seventeenth, eighteenth range all the way to like a borderline ish top ten power play in the league? Um, I will actually take the over and not like significantly, you know, at, at 23, maybe even. Yeah. Um, but I I really am, am feeling very confident about the power play this year. I know that that's like Brian alluded to. That's a pretty big jump. That's almost well, two whole percent would be 23.1 um, for them. So I guess you're, you're looking at about that. 
Um, but I mean, these are again like going back to to Debrinket and Ghost. Like those are two huge additions to this power play. Like those, and like even you know, like we we've talked about like some of the other forwards too, like Comfort. Like obviously that's not like a top unit guy, but like I don't know. I I feel really good about where, where this power play stands at the moment, and I don't think that uh whatever that is one point nine percent increase is uh is the world when you're adding people that have the ceilings offensively that uh those two dudes specifically have and i guess to break against my own point you've also got another year of lucas raymond and another year of most right. so that was the exact point that i was going to start off with was you've got guys younger players that are going to con- continue to improve raymond and cider in particular you have to think and or expect that they're going to be on your top power play now i mean a little bit torn either way with cider and gossip bear on the first power play unit. You could also, you could depend on the, on the game. You could run both of them on the point, or you could kind of rotate them with your top unit, depending on what maybe a face-off situation of what's going on. Or I have certain plays set up off a draw. Um, but I think that if you've got Debrinket getting more back on track and not being in this depression year with Ottawa, you look at him getting back up to a roughly 15% shooting percentage as a whole, his power play percentage shooting shooting percentage should go up as well. That's more goals in net for you, obviously. I think he'll be more impactful than what we saw with the Kubelik, but if you have him out there with, say, a Raymond, a Larkin, a Cider and or Ghost, and a Perron, it's a lot of playmaking guys to get to your goal scorer and a guy that's not also afraid for even though he's a smaller stature player that goes to the net and can make things happen. And also, I think the thing that's lost with him quite a bit in Debrinket, he's a playmaker. He can find the open guy, and you're going to be surprised by it. And you've got guys like Larkin and Raymond, others that I just mentioned, that move enough. And we saw that last year with how the power play changed. A lot of motion and things going on. If you look back to Chicago, where Debrinket was at, they had a lot of motion and things going on with guys like Kane and Taves and things happening there. So I think that could fit better to their system. Will it be crazy amount, kind of like what Scott said, over 23? No, but if they hit that mark, there's going to be an improvement. There's going to be more wins, and this team is competing. All I care about, though, overall, is if they get better than what they were last season. Last year was one of their better years since uh, (laughs) 2009-10. It was the last time they had anything over a 19. or I'm sorry, they had a 19.2 in 09-10, 10 and 11 out of 22.3. And 14-15 had a 23-8. So over the last 13 years, it's one of their top power play percentage finishes on teams that were much, much better than what they were last season. The guys they brought in, I think they can push them towards that. And if that's the case, we're having the conversations of are they making a pushing for a wild card or more by the end of the season? If they don't, we're having the opposite conversation. Beautiful. So I'm going to do mine, and then we're going to take a quick joint commercial break before we come back to round out the episode. So my over-under first one, we're going to do a fun one uh, that's not super involved, but my over-under is rookie appearances over-under three. Brian? Uh, over. I think they could even, because you're saying appearances, not like getting the whole rookie-eligible season in. No, rookies that, that come in. Now, rookies meaning like like uh, prospects in our system, not like some dude they just signed to the Griffins for a year. Does so no. count? So players that have played a Red Wings game already do not count. Oh. So Edvinson and Casper are out. 
and so is Soderblom. And so, yeah. Soderblom. So you're looking Soderblom's at like uh, he's four games shy. He's still technically a rookie. Yeah. So, <sighs> okay. so the others. So I will count Marco Casper, but I will not count Simon Edmondson. All right, you're making it more difficult. That's ticky tacky. I'm, I'm gonna go under then. <laughs> Um, because I think that obviously Edmondson is going to start the year hurt, but he should be back mid November. If we're lucky, I think that he makes an appearance. Is it going to be, he doesn't count that. I think that's what I heard is mid November. Um, was his timeline. I could be mistaken. I could don't take my word for it. I've been wrong many times. It could be mid October for all I know. (laughs) Um, but I thought I had heard mid November regardless. He doesn't count. Uh, I think Casper is going to make it. I think you see Johansson or Wallander at one point. But that's at max three guys because you're not going to see Nate Danielson. I don't think you're going to see Sebastian Kosa. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any going to be any surprises in camp who will make a push out of training camp like a Carter, Carter Mazer. Mazer. That, yep, that's the guy I was thinking. Like maybe Carter Mazer uh, could be a guy who surprises you. But like none of those guys are in my mind like locks to make an appearance. Like you'd have to have those guys be locks to make an appearance all in one year. I think I'm still going to make go safe and say the under, especially with how competitive this roster is going into this year with all the signings that they made. Like they have a full roster going into training camp before the rookies have an opportunity to make a push. Yeah. I I think this is one where if this number is Three and a half, I'm gonna say under, and if it's two and a half, I'm gonna say over. Like I, I'm, I'm, I, like I think three is like the perfect number, really. Like I think that that's probably close to what it'll end up being. Um, I obviously, if if Casper is included, then then he will certainly play at like at least one game in a winged wheel. I'm also incredibly confident that Johansson is going to get a a legitimate stint in the NHL, whether legitimate means like, you know, 15 games or like 40, you know, we'll see, but I'm, I'm very confident that he like all signs point to like, he was going to last year before the injury happened. I'm, I'm very confident that he's going to get some sort of a, of a stint as well. The really, then it just becomes like outside of those two. Am I really confident that anybody else in that pool, you know, the field outside of those two is going to make their, NHL debut and it's 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 tough like I, I very much could see you know it's if it's just one dude like if just one more person is thrown in there like I I think that there's probably a likelihood that one other person is in that mix but to be over three would have to be two people from like I said quote unquote the field uh to be making their debut and I think that's a little rich so if it's it's I'll take like around three but if I, if I have to give a if three is the thing and I can't just take like a push I'll take the under in a high three or a low three. Right, exactly. <laughs> also, uh, before we move on, Ryan, to, to you, I just want to point out too, like, let's not sleep on Cross Hannes. He had a, he was injured a lot last season, yeah. um, but he was very good when he was healthy. So he comes back healthy this year. He could be a sleeper agent for making that push. No, agreed. I think I think Greg gypped us a little bit by going with a hard number of three. It should have yeah. been a two and a half or something like that because then we could have had some more fun with it. But I, I like like the names that we've all mentioned: Casper, Mazer, Cross, Hannes, uh, Wallander, or Valinder, if you will, Edvinson, Johansson. I, I think Johan—that's how they say it, Greg. Don't give me that. You know. I, I will not Valinder. I will oh, William Wallander. It. It's going to happen when he gets Zillian that first Wallander. appearance. Going off. We're going to have get, one of those moments. Exception. You remember the, the Beargrin? Jonathan Beargrin. Yeah. I was going to say, remember the Beargrin press conference when they yes. were like asking him how to say, it and they were like, hey, he just, they just call me Jonathan. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not even Jonathan. It's Yonatan. It's yeah. like there's no. So it's, it's Yonatan Bergen, or as they have fallen on Yanni Burgers. That's, yeah. that's yeah. his name. Keep, keep so. getting corrected by Lars over and over. It's fine. Um, but no, I mean, Sky, you made the great point. Johansson seemed like, and you can talk to a lot of folks out in Grand Rapids that are watching them often, that he seemed like the guy that truly stood out last season. And then the injuries happened. Evanson, you could argue, had the injury, the bug as well. But when he came up to Detroit, he looked comfortable. There were times where it's like, mm, he, need, he needs some work on things, but that was expected. I mean, I, I would say my number's at two, so I'm going to take the under. If I'm going anywhere with it, it's going to be one or both on defense in, in terms of Edmondson or Johansson. And my dark horse offensively would probably be Mazer because that a lot, I think, depends on – I mean, we saw Casper was reactivated for the prospect camp, uh, camp in July. And he looked actually not bad while he's out there. And we know he had the was the broken kneecap, I think, was the actual injury or something like that. Brutal. That he broke during that NHL game. He and broke his kneecap through. during that game. Yeah. So I'm not too pressed to have him come right into the lineup. I'm excited to see what maybe a Mazer would do. I think that he, we were talking about this before, is that Mazer could be the dark horse coming into camp. And that's a great situation to be in because he is going to piss you off, but also score goals on you. So that's where that he we could see him being a depth guy. And that's a guy I think Casper, you want in your top six right now. That may not be the case for him. Mazer is a guy you could throw in your middle six or bottom six, and you're not going to be upset about it. And he's going to help improve your team and make you better. So that's where it it's kind of tough on the over under, but I, I still I'll stick with the under on two with my eyes looking more toward defense than anything else. All right. I'm taking the over. Uh, we're wow. going to go Marco Casper. We are going to go Carter. That, how confident I am in Carter Mazer. I'm taking Carter Mazer. I'm going to go Wallander because of the season Wallander had before coming over to North America and just how I heard Dan Cleary talk about him. I am taking Wallander and I'm taking Albert Johansson because if Albert Johansson was not injured when Simon Edvinson was called up, Johansson would have been the call up. I mean, there's a chance that uh, the person people love to forget, Alex Doucette, could get a call up at some point during the season. There is a chance. I don't think Lombardi will get a call up. Lombardi has already said his what he feels are his shortcomings that he needs to work on, but I'm going to take the over because I think we have such a good, not just prospect pool, but prospect pool that we'll be playing in North America in Grand Rapids. I think there is absolutely a chance that four guys will at some point play NHL games this season. So I'm going to take that and we are overdue, but we are going to take a collective group uh, commercial break. Before we come back, we'll do a couple more and then we'll close out the episode because, I mean, we have a list more, but we're running out of time. So we're going to take a collective group break and then we will be back to answer more over-unders. So hold on one second. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit Gambling Helpline. MA.org. 
in New York, call 877-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas in West Virginia, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10 plus legal required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Even if you're not going on vacation, summer's all about a vacation state of mind. Whether I want to listen to my Spotify playlists on repeat or just need to retreat inside my own head for a bit, I love creating my own summer soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. There's so much going on all summer. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or to stay calm with some guided meditation. Right now, I'm just listening to podcasts on my walks downtown when I get lunch at work, and it's just really helping me keep my composure to get to that giant list of emails. Let me tell you right now, Raycons are the best way to listen. Use earbud tap functions to toggle between three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, including eight hours of playtime, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips for the most comfortable in-ear fit and start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you can't really lose. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon right now. Grindline podcast listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com THPN. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. And we're back, and we are going to do a lightning round. Well, I guess it's a pseudo lightning round. Ryan's making fun of me already because I'm never enthusiastic enough, and it's running joke now that every time I go, and we're back, and it just doesn't sound like happy enough like i'm happy to be back i just love the way how much you try now to not Uh, be miserable coming back from the break (laughs) and we're back and we're gonna uh we're gonna go through these kind of quickly so uh we we each have one more and uh we're gonna do kind of truncated versions of them but brian give us your next over under yeah so this past season the detroit red wings didn't score a lot of goals and they got scored on a lot well i'm gonna cover the goals for aspect of things they're 24th in the league this past season in goals for with 237. The 16th place team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, so dead center in the middle of the league, had 261. So that's my over-under. Over-under, goals for 261 on the season. Will they be top half or bottom half of the league is basically what I'm asking. Um, I'm going to go with, where did you say they finished this year? 24th with 237. And right. Pittsburgh a, was 16th with 261. Yeah, that's a big jump for me. So I'm going to go with bottom half. I do think that they take a step forward in that area, certainly. Um, but that's a that's a really, really big jump to go from a bottom six, bottom seven team in the NHL to a top half of the league uh, team in, in that. That's a that's a really big jump for me. I love the, the offseason. I'm very excited about the year, but that's. Too big of a jump for me to uh, be all over the uh, the the over on that one. So I'll take bottom half of the league. Uh, that's tough because 
with some of the things we've mentioned in terms of what they can potentially do on the power play, the offensive skill they brought in, I mean, you feel like there's going to be a bump. I wish I had handy what their goal differential was that they brought in. I feel like it definitely went up. I mean, Kubalik's 20, 20 goals out, but you got 20 plus in with Dabrinkit. Uh, I don't know what kind of offhand the other guys, what they brought with them, but I think there can be an improvement. I think that limit could push around 250 ish, but that's not to say that's a bad thing. So I'm still going to stick with the under, but not, I think it's going to be tight. I, cause you look at most of the teams that scored over 260. Let's see. Starting with St. Louis, there's one, two, two teams that had 40 wins or less that scored 260 goals. So that tells me right there, if they're hitting 260, they're one pushing for the playoffs and two scoring goals, obviously simple. That's, that's the great part of about that one. So the only two teams that had less than 40 wins and scored over 260 goals were Vancouver and St. Louis who had 260 on the money. Ottawa had 259 right behind them. So I think if you're pushing that 260 win mark, we're having different conversations come April. So I'm going to stick with the under, but that's not to say that we're not having happy conversations in several months from now. Oh, we're having happy conversations, 24 <laughs> goals. So we need 25 more goals on the season to hit that. I'm taking the over. You're going to give me 30 plus from Alex to you're going to Lucas Raymond's going to give me a 30 goal season. You brought in a JT Comfer who's going to add goals. You brought in a Daniel Sprong who's going to boost that bottom six. A Clem Costin that you're asking to come in and telling me you're going to give him a bigger role. You brought in a Shane Gostisbehere who's like a goal scoring machine from the blue line. And you're telling me I only need 25 more goals in last season when the teams around us, none of them got better defensively. I'm going to take the over. I, I think Greg that's easy. Kissing rainbows. I think that's easy. You're going to you're going to give me two you're going to give me 265 to 270 goals next season. I um I'm right in lockstep with Greg to be honest. I was going to say the same thing. This team only needs 25 more goals. You brought in I mean even in his down year, Dabrinka had 27 goals last year. And then on top of that, Lucas Raymond, I won't say 30 goals, but 20, 25 goals. Uh D- Daniel Sprong if he go- goes anywhere between 15 and 20. You have Shane Gostisbehere, like you're saying. Basically, I'm echoing everything that Greg just said because I completely agree with him that I don't think 25 more goals for a team that's trying to score more goals anyways is too much to ask for because I go back to my philosophy this offseason. This team needs to take a step forward. In order to do that, they need to accomplish these things. What about a whole season of Michael Rasmussen? Like a de- boy. more developed, top-line Michael Rasmussen. What Brian and Greg my might boy. be the same person. They <laughs> might, they, they, you, this, Greg may be Brian with hair. Like, I, this is it's really... <laughs> I mean, it's... and But jokes aside, Michael Rasmussen has shown market hey, development. Mike. Like, year over year, we had joked all the time, like, as soon as Michael Rasmussen learned how to not fall down, he became a fantastic <laughs> right. hockey player. Mm-hmm. And it's... I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the over. I'm going to take the over on it. Uh, Scotty, go ahead. Yeah, I, I I don't know. You guys are like the enthusiasm you two have about the over makes me want to take the over now. Um, I and like fair points all around to be honest. Uh, my so my next one is uh more like individual player based, but uh, a similar premise. So last season the Detroit Red Wings had six players with over forty points, but only two with fifty or more. That would be Perron and obviously Larkin. 
Um, so my question is, when it comes to the amount of players on the Red Wings that will have 50 points this season. So again, two last year, I put the number at four and a half. Uh, that's adding Debrinket obviously into there. I think that that's relatively, I don't want to say, I don't want to get too out of myself, but I think that's relatively safe if he does what you're expecting him to do. And then you have players like Raymond who were only five points away. Cobb who got off to a really slow start. He was only eight points away. So I am putting the number at four and a half over under players on the Red Wings that after game 82 will have 50 or more points. Ooh, I'm going to I'm going to take the over and I might have just walked back my entire answer for the over under on goals <laughs> four by saying so, because the more I think about it, I mean. It, it's doable. You look at the guys they brought in to bring it. If he gets back to form, you're in great shape. He's going to hit that 50 point mark. You got to think that Raymond's taking the next step. He's going to hit that 50 point mark. Cider finished with 42 and 82. There's no doubt that he's going to improve. Now, how much of that could be potentially lost to a guy like Gostaspare? I'm not really sure. But what was Ghost's numbers from last year? Do you know offhand? I was the only player I didn't have pulled up. Yeah, Shane Gostaspare last season, 75 games played, 13 goals, 28 assists for 41 points. I'll take that from him all day because I mean, even when Heronic left, he had 38 through 60. So he was definitely going to be close to that 50 point mark. And I think I talked about it last week or two, a couple of episodes ago, you've got a guy like Heronic and Gossa spare, maybe even better offensively. So I, I I'm going to take the over without getting too much more long winded here. I think it's doable. I'm also going to take the over. Like you mentioned, I've got Lucas Raymond, uh, possibly with a 70 point season. I think even uh, Max Boltman had said, you could see a 70-point season out of Lucas Raymond. You've got Mo Sider, who I think takes a step forward after not being anchored down by Sherratt uh, anymore. I mean, the Sider-Wallman pair, I think, sh should be the pair on day one and continue throughout the season unless someone gets injured. Andrew Kopp, who I expect to be fully back to form. Dylan Larkin, Alex Dabrinkit. Goss Despair has the ability to do it. JT Comfort did it last season. He had over a 50-point season. So I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over on four and a half. I've got, what, seven possibles on my list. And if two drop off, that's a five. So I mean, I'm going to take the over. Even last year, they had four guys over 50. So, yeah, I'll take it. I, I mean, it's an over for me because I'll keep it short and sweet, too. There's five players on this team that I think are lock, locks for over 50 points. And that's Dylan Larkin, Peron, Alex Debrinkit, Lucas Raymond, and Moritz Sider. Moritz Sider's already had a 50-point season under yep. his belt. So and I know that both Raymond and... Cider, at least on a production scale, slid back a little bit, had a sophomore slump, as people like to say, production-wise. Uh, I think that, you know, another year under their belt, another offseason to get bigger and stronger and better at the game of hockey. They're, they're locks to get 50 points again. I think DeBrink gets a lock to get 50 points. And Perron, I, he's Mr. Consistent. If you've looked at his career tenure, it, it's been like 50 points every single year. And then Larkin's just proven to be like a 70 to 80-point guy every single year. So I, I, think, I think the over's a lock. And since we're all in the over so far, I think what we're looking at, too, is that if you look at the division of of minutes past the first line, uh, Lalone loves to roll the bottom three lines around the same like ice time. So like you're not saying well, if you've got a Bear Grin and maybe Bear Grin pops off this season and, and bumps his numbers up, 
he's going to get probably around the same ice time if he's in the bottom six as if he was in mid six. So that's another point. For sure. Yeah, I'm 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 with everybody else. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty lockstep. I, I think that it's uh, an over. I think I'm closer to like five exactly, which is why I picked four and a half. That's, you know, a, a two and a half player improvement. Plus where I stand is just on the other side of that. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, echoing a lot of the same points, Larkin into Brinkett should be absolute locks for that. And then even if Perron has like a 49 point season or something like a five point improvement from Raymond uh, should be more than uh, not only like acceptable, but like expected, to be honest. Um, and then the cider point is a great one that I hadn't really even really fully considered beforehand. But like the the way his production upticked after, you know, going on uh, a pairing with Wallman, like shouldn't be overlooked either. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel good about, I think again, like, I think my number is, is probably at about five. Um, but I, I, that's still the over. So there you go. I like it. Now, and if you look, unless I completely jacked it up last time they had five guys over 50, 11, 12, 2011, huh. 12, and Hoodler was your 50 point guy. Yuri Hoodler. Happy Hoodler. Wow. We all know why he was happy now. Yeah. The Hoodler, Franz, <laughs> and Philpola, Datsuk, Zetterberg. There you go. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Ryan, you're up. My mine is gonna go the opposite of Brian from a little bit ago. Goals allowed in the season at 260. So let me preface this: there was only three teams with 40 or more wins over 260: Buffalo, Florida, and Pittsburgh. One of them made the playoffs. He tried allowed 275, which dropped down from 310, but they only had a six point swing in the standings. Go. Oh, Lord, Uh, 260, which would put us underneath the Washington Capitals, but above the Edmonton Oilers. So Edmonton led in 256, Washington 261. We would have to beat. Yeah, this is not going to be an easy. Well, it's 275 goals allowed. So let's see. Yeah, I think. I think I'll take the over. I'm expecting. Uh, again and we said it last season well, oh, fewer here, here's the thing over is worse okay, I'm, gonna take, okay, I'm gonna take the under then i'm gonna take okay, the under we, we we're go. gonna have less blowouts because we say that every year we're gonna have less blowouts <laughs> and then we have like a couple less blowouts but still some pretty bad ones so i'm gonna take the under uh but probably not by much so i'm gonna say if we're at the 250 to 255 we are between the tampa bay lightning the kraken and the kings and I think I, I, that's respectable territory for me. So I, I'm going to take the under. I, I, I'm going to go to around 255. I, I'm taking the under too. I mean, if you're asking the team to allow, so if the under would be what, 16 less goals than they did the year before, I think I'd be a hypocrite to come in here and say, after how much I propped up Philly Huso and the improved defense and the you know second year of Derek Lalonde's scheme, then to come in here and say the team can't go out and allow 16 less goals across 82 games. I, I think that this they're hitting the under on 260 goals allowed um, all day. Yeah, I'm going to go with the under as well. I think that um, really the the biggest thing for me is just like having a stable backup goalie. Like I, I think that that alone could get you, you know, like anywhere from 10 to 15 goals uh, up on that list. Nonetheless, 
if Huso doesn't have like two of the worst months we've ever seen from a goaltender. Like, you know what I mean? Like if, if, if both of those things happen, they're absolutely doing it. If only one of those things happen, they're probably in the running to do it. So um, I, I think Reimer is a, is, is a good addition. I, I think it's, he's certainly going to add, even if he's not like fantastic, he doesn't need to be. If he just stability than what you had last year, which was the opposite of stability in that, um, then I think you should be kind of approaching that for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm leaning under, and you got to go back to the 17-18 season for the last time they allowed 260 or less, and that year they had 254, but they only scored 212. So if we see that balance shift based on what we just talked about for the goals for and that goal is allowed, we're pushing that 40-win mark or more, and we're talking about this team potentially being playoff bound. Am I saying that that's going to happen? No. Would I like it to happen? Yes. But time will tell. Yes. So I'm going to end it with this one since I couldn't find what I was looking for. Okay, so if anyone can give me a good source, like shoot it to me on X or Twitter or whatever the hell you want to call it now, of man games lost to injury where I don't have to go subscribe to a service I'm literally only going to use once, please shoot that over to me and I will figure it out. But we are going to go with this blind off the cuff red wings over under 93 points on the season oh and then you go to me first on this one this is the toughest i one. go to you first on this one brian <laughs> they had 80 points last year and a 13 point jump is a really hard thing to ask we have seen it buffalo did something very similar last year Oh, and I know the J Fresh calculator has them as like a playoff team. And 92 was playoffs with the Panthers last season. Wow. Oh, man. I got to go with under, but not by a lot. And not by a lot. Like I'm thinking 90 points, 91 points. Uh, it's going to be really down to the wire. This Atlantic division is still so competitive, even with teams. I think Boston's due for, I hesitate to say it because I say it every year, but I think Boston is due <laughs> for a slide. Uh, losing like Taylor Hall, they lost Tyler Bertuzzi, they lost Dimitri Orlov, Bergeron, Krejci. Like I know a lot of those guys were rentals, but they lost a lot of pieces. That's the curse, Brian. You just yeah. gave us the curse again. I know. I say it every single year and it doesn't happen. Um, I think Toronto's going to be fine. I think Tampa's going to slide a little bit due to age. Um, but Florida's going to be right there. I think Buffalo's going to be right there, especially if their defense gets any better and their goaltending gets any better. They score goals like nobody can believe. It's a really competitive Atlantic division, and that's the only reason I think that they wouldn't hit that over is because they, steal, they these teams keep stealing points from one another. Um, but it's not going to be by a lot. I don't think they're going to be like an 83-point team. I think that 90 points is reasonable, but 93 is just, man, that's tough. Yeah, I'm going to go with under by a, a hair as well. I'm I'm kind of in that 91, give or take a point range. So like just like barely, barely under. But I really, the, I share the same sentiment as Brian and like the, the division being as tough as it is still weighs so much on me. And uh, not only like we obviously improved a lot this offseason and, and hopefully are going to take a big step in the right direction. But um, this is, this is not just like, oh, you, you got better. Like, oh, you got better and you still play in a division with like six legitimate playoff threats at, at a minimum. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's tough. <laughs> like that's just, that's tough picking. So I, I think that, 
I I'm gonna go with under, but but you know, barely. Well, is he over under 93 points? 93, Ryan. It's tough because it was all sunshine and rainbows looking at the Jay Fresh war yeah. prediction. I and he was pretty he was pretty accurate last year. Remember his Boston had Boston had like 130 points and what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, and he had us pretty high, it, but I mean, we had an entire injury season of Bertuzzi and Verona, so. And it also pissed a lot of people off when you show Detroit better than anyone, so it's it's hilarious. But it's, I tend to lean the, the under because that is a that's a jump and a big jump. But if you're pushing this team to forty wins or more, you're hoping. You're hit. That's I mean, you look at Pittsburgh; they're forty, thirty-one, and eleven last season, ninety-one points. So if that's where we're at having this conversation, again, we're having playoff possibilities come April. Having those conversations and our podcasts aren't depressing by that point. (laughs) So it's fantastic. But it's also not unrealistic to think that that's where they'll be. I think 40 wins for this season, huge win overall. Means it's a winning season, likely, hopefully. And we're talking about potentially playoffs. 91, 92, you're looking at maybe getting in based on the teams from last year. But I'm, I think I'll still stick with the under it, as much as it does pay me to say. And on the, the man games lost, by the way, Greg, looks like you need to re- reach out to Nick uh, Costanica. I found an article from him from April 21 for listing out the Wings had lost 150, 150 individual man games lost contributing to their, their season. What I had found is since like a few seasons back, maybe it was like 2017, 18, the Red Wings have lost the most man games to injury in the entire league. Oh, uh, cool. He probably subscribes to mangameslost.com. So that's a <laughs> free plug. If you guys want to sponsor the show, you can uh, reach out to us and I will totally, uh, totally give you guys a plug. But I am also going to take the under. I am going to say around 90 but I'm also going to say that that is probably going to get us get us in a playoff position. You look at the teams. There are teams in the West that improved. There are teams not in our division that are still in the East that improved. And you're going to see Toronto lose more games to outside of the division. You're going to see Tampa lose more games to outside of the division. You're going to see us hopefully not get blown out by the Buffalo Sabres three times. So I think we're going to gain ground in our division while staying strong outside. And there are going to be some teams within our division that will lose some more because they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. So I'm going to take the under, but I'm still going to say positive for a playoff position for the Red Wings, because I think this is the season where Iserman, like we had said a couple episodes ago, or even last episode, built a team like Vegas. Vegas won because of their depth, because they had guys on every line that could score They had guys on every line that could defend. They had great special teams. That is what Eisenman is doing. He's taking the Vegas plan and bringing it to Detroit. So I'm very confident in it. Uh, That's where we're going to leave it tonight. Brian and Scotty, if you guys want to, what are you guys doing? Where can people find you? What's coming up? I know you're in off season mode, but give all the, give all the tags you want to (laughs) do. Well, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Brian Fisher, WWJ. I'm still calling it Twitter. You can find me. It's still the URL is still <laughs> twitter.com. So you can find me on twitter.com uh, at Brian Fisher, WWJ and our lockdown Red Wings podcast account, which we mainly just use to post like, Hey, when the new episodes up uh, at LO underscore Red Wings, 
And uh, Scotty, right now, we're mostly just doing player previews and crossovers. So Friday's episode will probably be more player previews uh, for the 2024 season. We knew that Daniel Sprong preview. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Don't you worry. Yeah, we uh, we, we definitely do it in, in player preview mode as we get, you know, through camp and, and uh, as we get closer to the start of preseason and whatnot. Um, my uh, my ex account is at Bentley Scotty. Fired. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, cover the Tigers and such as well. So if you're interested in that, then uh, yeah, everything's really in my uh, in my Twitter profile. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the easiest place to find us. Like Brian said, we're in uh, off season mode three di- three days a week until you know September when uh, when games start getting played again, and then we're back up to five. So. I bet you Javi Baez calls it X. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> um, I, I'll throw it out there. Marty Ryan 33. I don't really have any final thoughts for this evening, but I appreciate you guys jumping on here with yeah, us. Thanks for having us. Man. Yeah, thanks. Time. Oh, also really quickly, I put it in parentheses. This is not, we don't have to spend like 15 minutes on this. The last time the Wings had more than three hat tricks in a season was 08, 09 when they had five. Which is just like totally arbitrary and there's like a huge like, you know, like luck is not luck, but there's a randomness factor of like hat tricks. That's what makes it hard to predict. But I put it at three and a half last year. They had two. And I was just wondering, like quick, really quickly over under three and a half hat tricks this season for the Detroit Red Wings. Over Alex to Lucas Raymond. uh, Give another one to Dylan Larkin. We need one more. Uh, and uh, yeah, Goss despair. Love it. I can I can see the over, but two from Debrinket, if anything. Yeah, That's I'm gonna go too. I'm gonna hit the over. I think I think uh, the goal scorers are gonna score goals. Yeah, well, that's the hope. I mean, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> that, that clip should just be the whole episode right there. You can find me online at Bringing the Wing. You can find the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We'll give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us. We'll give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and work down. Shout out to Cider Larkin for winning the Alex DeBrinket jersey uh, over on X slash Twitter. Uh, she's very happy. We're going to get that out to her soon. Uh, if you use the promo code Grindline and bring hockey back, you will get 12%. If you use the same promo code on Howie's Hockey Tape, you'll get 10. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast on YouTube and see all of our beautiful faces talk about stuff and uh, react in real time. We have a new layout. It's absolutely gorgeous. But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler and Brian and Scotty, I am Greg. <laughs> you stay classy, Hockey Town.